Hey you guys, it's your host Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. The birth story that I've got for you today is one of my closest friends from nursing school. Her name is Hannah. She is going to walk us through what her struggle with endometriosis has been, what getting pregnant was like for her, having a scheduled C-section, and then on into what postpartum looked like for her and her family. Her insight is so beautiful and real, and I know that we all can relate, whether you are expecting or you've been a mom yourself already. She is so much fun to listen to. Stevie was here and wanted to tell her birth story too, so listen for some little baby chit-chats in the background, and let's get a little more educated together. friends and literally one of the most incredible humans I know and we are going to hear all about her story of getting her perfect little baby Stevie here and dealing with what they think may be is endometriosis. Yeah so I'll kind of tell my story on um, getting pregnant and um, my pregnancy was pretty chill but um, my delivery which was a c-section and then some postpartum struggles that I faced as a brand new mom, um, even being a nurse. Um, like Anna said, we were uh, nurse friends. I work um, in an ICU in Salt Lake um, with adults, so babies are like a whole new ballgame ball for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People when we go to the doctor's office, they're like, "Oh, you've got this down. You're a nurse." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, not you're like, not peace. unless uh, you're over 100 pounds. <laughs> I have no idea." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, little tiny creatures. Uh, it's all no. I, I'm not quite sure how to how to do anything for them. So so real, whatever. Um. So yeah, I started trying to get pregnant back in nursing school, as Anna probably remembers. I do. Yeah, I remember that. Um. But started having some issues. I got off birth control and just struggled to to get pregnant. Um, took us like a little over a year. So we think maybe it could be due to endometriosis. So I got on hormonal birth control uh, before I even got married to try to control the symptoms of endometriosis. In my case, the symptoms were just a wrecked stomach whenever I was like ovulating or whenever I was on my period. So okay. crazy enough, like I actually thought I was gluten intolerant for a long time mm-hmm. and had food allergies because like certain times of the month I would just be like totally destroyed. And so I would like eliminate foods, but then sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't work. Well, kind of realized that it was more, my stomach was upset more when I was on my period or ovulating. And so once I started hormonal birth control to like keep the hormones at bay and keep inflammation from going up, which is what endometriosis, when endometriosis gets worse, um, 
it like fixed all of my stomach problems. I never had to eliminate anything. So you didn't end up having any dietary issues whatsoever. No. The hormonal yeah. birth control like fixed took everything. All my problems. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So it's like we don't know if maybe the endometrial cells had you know uh, traveled outside to like my intestines, and when yeah, the so inflammation like goes up, it just yeah upsets them. And so. As you guys maybe know, with endometriosis, the only way to really tell if you have it is by going in and doing a procedure to actually, like, zap the cells. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a laparos... What is it? Lap- <laughs> I know exactly how to spell it. I literally... Laparotomy? Laparos... Laparoscopy? <laughs> it's not laparoscopy. It's a laparoscopic procedure where they would go in... <laughs> yes. ...from your belly <laughs> to look okay. at these cells. <laughs> As many of you know. We are both nurses, I promise. It's fine. Yeah, so you have to have a surgical oh, oh, we're procedure. We're a new mom and pregnant mom, so don't blame our brains. Brain fried. <laughs> a surgical procedure to find out if you actually have endometriosis. And I've never gone through the procedure. Okay, so. so you never, you feel like the birth control controlled it enough that you didn't feel like you needed to go like one step further and like actually see I guess if the cells of your endometrium were in my in, intestines or yeah. causing problems. Yeah, so exactly. I never, I mean, there were times where I was like, oh, it'd be nice to go and get it cleaned out to see if that would help yeah, and not have to take hormonal birth control. As we know, that there's not always the greatest side effects from hormonal birth control. But, and if I had a hard time getting pregnant, then I was going to consider the procedure. Okay. So. And my doctors kind of put that at like a year, you know, try for a year. And then after that, and literally um, at my year mark, I got pregnant, um, had a miscarriage with that first pregnancy, like 10 days into it. Um, But then got pregnant, didn't even have another normal cycle and got pregnant again with Stevie. Okay. So just right after. So right after. Yeah. And the miscarriage as my doctor kind of said, and we said, was like, well, this is honestly kind of a blessing to know that you can get pregnant, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, things hopefully will go well, and for me, it happened right away, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty fortunate, because you do, I've talked to lots of people who, you know, try for years and years, and then end up having to go through lots of different fertility treatments, or, you know, be a little more aggressive with their plan to get these little babies on the earth but um I'm curious though even though you know like I said some people may struggle for longer than a year did you feel like a year was like an eternity for you or were you kind of like it's just been a year like we're okay like where was you where were you like mentally yeah no for sure I think that it was tough especially you know the first few months you're like okay it might take a few months and then I think for me like the four to five month mark to like the nine or ten month mark was really hard because I was like okay this is not gonna happen easily and then every month after that was just kind of like a bummer like okay and you go through the whole okay let's try and then oh let's wait and see and then like oh no now you have to deal with another period and then you just go through that like up and down process for a long time but about 10 months I think I was finally just like you know what in my case, it's in God's hands, and whenever it's meant to be, it will be. And and it was. And it you was, as you can hear. <laughs> she kicks around on the floor, supposed to be napping. Um, yeah, so, and at that point, I kind of just relaxed more. 
okay. and funny enough is like I think that's when things started happening but if we look back at that timeline I was also in nursing school during a lot of this pretty stressed out um, and my husband was in school uh, in a master's program, and so you know they say yeah, stress like can take a toll. Were, uh, <laughs> yeah, living on the beach, doing yeah. nothing. <laughs> so we have no idea like what caused the hardship. Was it just not time for her to come to Earth? Was it the endometriosis? Was it the birth control that I had been on so consistently for a few years before yeah. trying to I was have gonna her? Say, so backtracking a little bit, when did your did your symptoms for what? your endometriosis potentially um did they start appearing like when you started having a cycle like as a teenage girl or did they like come yeah years later I noticed them the most when I was on my mission in fact I actually um <laughs> we're good guys we're just chatting with Steve we're just chatting with Steve gotta put back the bink um yeah, so on my mission, I served a mission for my church and LDS mission, and on my mission is when I started noticing the, which I I thought were gluten intolerance. Yeah, because you're like, here, I'm eating I was like, in Italy, pasta, and I was, yeah, like, exactly. All this heavy food all the time. Exactly. I could see how that could be so I even, easily where you're Yeah, I had a scope done in Italy. I went through all these things, and, you know, they thought maybe I had a gluten intolerance, but they weren't totally sure. Mm-hmm. And that's when it happened, which... I think that was also like a peak stress like point in my life yeah. and so um I mean there's like research about inflammation and stress and increased cortisol levels so who knows oh, sure. um if that's kind of what like sparked things or if it just that was like the age you know like mm-hmm. I started being more in like childbearing years I, I don't know yeah. but that's when I noticed and then I didn't really figure out what was going on for about a year and a half after my mission is when I finally started taking the hormonal birth control and finally started seeing like, wow, I don't have any problems anymore. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then follow up question, as you were trying to conceive, you were no longer on your birth control. Were your symptoms like out of control again? Yeah. And so that's another reason I think the year getting pregnant for me was pretty tough is because I would have horrible cycles and I was in school, and I was popping 800 milligrams of ibuprofen, like, every <laughs> four hours just to make oh it through. Gosh. Yeah, and I think that's, like, reminded me. Yeah, when you have to take, like, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen every four to six hours, like, that's not normal, right? That's not the norm. And I had forgotten about, like, yeah, how messed up things were because I had been on this hormonal birth control, birth control for, so, for long. so long. And so it's... To kind of go into more detail about that, I don't take the placebo pills when I take birth control. Okay, so you just always So I'm take... always on the pill. I never have a cycle. So could that have been also why I had a hard time getting pregnant? Just because um, it really messes up your, you know, the normal totally, cycle like of your the body. Cycle of your body if it's could just be. being overridden by this hormone, essentially, every exactly. month. Exactly. Yeah, so you, they say once you stop taking birth control, but I think... Once I stopped taking birth control, I really felt like it took, like, a good six to eight months for my body to re-regulate itself. And, like, when I really felt like, okay, this is – my cycle wasn't just because I stopped taking birth control this day. Like, my body kind of reset. Like, reset it was like I'm my period was, like, myself. 15 days late, and I thought I was actually pregnant. Bummer mm-hmm. to find out I wasn't. But I think my body was finally just, like, resetting and went, like, the cycle it wanted. Right? Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, Instead totally of just, like, sense. the day I stopped my birth control yes. and then your cycle comes, right? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, Which I feel like that's a pretty, like, normal 
that's the wrong word, but like a pretty common recommendation that doctors will like give to someone who's going to stop their birth control and like try to conceive is that, you know, like your cycle could take three to six months to like auto-regulate again. Regulate. Just exactly. because, you know, it has been overridden by these hormones. So For it sure. wasn't really like something a doctor may have like looked at you and been like, this is abnormal. Like they were probably like, okay, like maybe you're it, just one of those people that it takes six months. And they say give it six months, you yeah. know, they're like, and after six months, they're like, well, after a year, we'll start to consider fertility like type. Yeah. Luckily, um, in my case, my husband had a, a sibling who had some issues um, getting pregnant as well. And so he was able to do like a sperm analysis early on oh, your um, after like six months. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So, and he's a little bit old, like he's in his thirties. And so they didn't have a hard time. A like they didn't old. give him a hard time. <laughs> yeah. He's older in terms of you know, yeah. I guess, like, you, Utah childbearing years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for a first-time dad in Utah, I guess, um, <laughs> yeah, 33 is not young. <laughs> but, um, so he, yeah, and we found out everything was normal, and then from there, okay. I think we just decided, like, we just need to be patient, and it all happened in due time, and, um, kind of worked out I was able to get a year of nursing in um yeah you know my job which then gave me the opportunity to be able to work less after you know now that she's born uh, companies really want you to get in a year or you know units yeah, which is so lucky so, honestly to have that under your belt um so when did you find out you were pregnant with Stevie so I need to think about this because it's all kind of a blur, but I think I found out I was pregnant with Stevie in April. I had miscarried in March, um, I believe, and then um, got pregnant again, didn't have a normal just, cycle, yeah, and then right found out that. right after. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know, that miscarriage, just like everything got cleaned out, and then I really think like my cycle had been really normal at that point. I was graduated a few months. I just finished my orientation at my job. You know, in terms of stress, it was, like, the perfect timing. And then um, I found out I was pregnant with her, and um, really my pregnancy with her went so well. Um, I was sick, but not crazy sick. Nothing that, like, took you away from work, I guess I should say. No, no, I worked full-time through pregnancy, um, night shifts, day shifts, the requirements for, you know, the... Which, I, honestly, you guys, if you even knew what Hannah's job was, you would be, like, shook, because her job is impossible, <laughs> not pregnant, and then I think about doing her job pregnant, and I'm like, oh? No. <laughs> How did you even function? <laughs> the last month of my pregnancy, I told my boss, I was like, I can't work full-time You're anymore. like, don't put me on a team, because I'm not running for a code, I'm yeah. gonna sit right here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the easiest patients on the unit, please. And also, oh, I told them the last month, I said, I cannot do any more night shifts. I said, I need to be on days the last month. And, and they, they were, were really nice. They accommodated that. That's yeah. So nice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I um, was on days the last month. And then I took two weeks off before she was born, which was the best decision I've ever made. I had some extra PTO. Yeah, I like got my nails done, got my hair done, enjoyed my life because I was like, it's about to change forever, and I didn't even know how much it was gonna (laughs) change forever. And yeah, but like in terms of pregnancy, I worked, I really felt great. Um, She was transverse for a lot of my pregnancy, meaning that she was like sideways in my belly. 
and we could tell like because of where her hiccups were felt and then where her feet were like she was very sideways and people would look at me and be like she looks kind of like, like odd shaped <laughs> yeah and Hannah is a very petite person you guys I'm sure that like if Stevie were to have been stretched out it would have been like wow yeah my mom my mom once was like I can tell that she's sideways I'm like thank you yeah you're like is that a compliment (laughs) appreciate it um and so early on we had talked about doing a c-section um with my doctor I also um had a lot of fears in terms of vaginal deliveries uh as I've told you guys I'm an ICU nurse and I work in uh the shock trauma ICU and so I see a lot of um crazy things and the worst of the worst and I've seen things in terms of labor and delivery that haven't gone so well and I just really like controlled environments and so because she was transverse and that's how I felt good about doing a c-section we just uh, had planned that um, at about 35 weeks that that's what we were going to do even if she had flipped I just kind of wanted to make a decision and stick with that decision um so we scheduled about a month out uh, her C-section and or my C-section with her, and I went in. I never – I had uh, Braxton Hicks since, like, 25 weeks. Okay. Um, Which, for those who are listening, those are kind of the practice contractions. They don't really cause any dilation or anything like that, but it's just to kind of signal the mom that, you know, your body's getting ready, prepping to – push this baby out into the world <laughs> yeah in fact sadly I was having Braxton Hicks like every seven to eight minutes like pretty frequently and at night sometimes like kind of painful and I went in and got checked and the doctor's like I don't even think I can give you a one and Anna can explain <laughs> what that means so meaning here Hannah was feeling like she was contracting pretty frequently and to have been contracting seven or eight minutes apart if they had been these real real contractions is what, you know, for lack of a better term, the ones that are helping your cervix to dilate, they would have caused her cervix to open up a little bit and, you know, begin to open the pathway for the baby to get here. But in Hannah's case, (laughs) they were just making her really uncomfortable and doing nothing to help Stevie get here. So we had always talked, like I said, if my water breaks and if I go into labor and am I progressing normally would I you know give birth vaginally and I thought that I probably would mm-hmm. um even though this c-section was like kind of the plan I thought if my body is progressing normally and naturally like I'll probably just go with that um if she flips at that point and I, yeah you know everything's going well yeah but I was like if I make it to the 17th of December which was her birthday and I'm not progressing and that's my scheduled c-section day like I'm just gonna really beautiful I'm gonna go with it which you know I'm grateful for now because I still wasn't progressing at all so who knows like how (laughs) my labor would have gone but so I'm one of those people that really never experienced normal contractions or you know like cervix dilating contractions um I went into the hospital. They hooked me up to monitors. I was having contractions that I could feel like seven minutes apart mm-hmm. still the mm-hmm. morning she was born. And I yeah. was like kind of uncomfy, but nothing was nothing progressing. Was and so, yeah, we were supposed to have her at 8.30 a.m., but my doctor had some emergencies, so we got pushed to 11. And she was born via C-section at 11.55, um, which – a little bit about my C-section. So I got to the hospital. I talked to the, uh, the CRNA, which was, uh, it's a nurse, right? Um, a nurse anesthetist. So it's not like an anesthesiologist, but 
uh, a nurse that has gone to more school to do similar work that an anesthesiologist does. And um, talked to him, and he told me that I'd be getting a spinal, um, and that would numb me basically below the breast down. Um, and then they would lay me down on the table, put in a Foley catheter, bring my husband in, and that the baby would be born within minutes of that happening. Um, and that's literally what happened. Um, you had the textbook C-section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got pulled back. I got my spinal, which wasn't bad. The worst part's the numbing. Like mm-hmm. the They do a little shot lidocaine. in your back to just kind of numb it before they insert the epidural catheter. The bigger needle, and thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like that is one of the most common complaints that I got from all my patients was that the numbing... <laughs> was the worst part yeah it's like a pretty gnarly bee sting kind of like and I was just like oh my gosh and then (laughs) it was done like within like five seconds it was gone and then it's numb and yeah so then they laid me down and yeah everything they just like pull up your gown and start scrubbing and put in a catheter and then all of a sudden I saw my husband and then um they put up a drape so that I couldn't see but in my case they had asked me if they want, if I wanted them to pull down the dark blue drape to like a clear drape when she was oh, born, so that cool. I could see her. Yeah. Um. Because someone told me to ask for a mirror, but yeah, they didn't have you, mirrors. Oh, they didn't. No, okay. at the hospital I delivered, they didn't have mirrors. So the anesthesiologist said we do have the clear drape, so we can pull down the blue one and we can show you her as she's being pulled out. Would you like that? And I was like, of course. That um, is please. so cool. I had never. I mean, we just always would offer a mirror. A mirror. But that is. Cool. Yeah, like, I want to see that. And <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I would have wanted to watch like the whole thing with a mirror, but like definitely wanted to watch her. Yeah, I'll be honest. I feel like most moms who requested the mirror, it was more like, okay, I want it for when the baby comes out, but and then I don't really want to see anything take other than that. Yeah. So that's what they, you know, and the anesthesiologist or the CRNA, excuse me, he wasn't an anesthesiologist. He wasn't a <laughs> physician. So that that's the difference. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. a nurse. Um, he was by my head and was like telling me, he'd be like, okay, they're cutting through this layer. Because I wanted to know what was going on. You know, you can't feel anything. It's like a little, I was a little claustrophobic, but I was like, talk me through what step we're at. Like, how close are we to getting the baby out? And then he would warn me like, you're going to feel pressure at this point because they're going to have to push her. You shouldn't feel pain, but they're going to have to push her out. And that was the biggest struggle, actually, for them during my whole C-section. The only slight complication was that they had a hard time pushing her out. And come to find out, the doctor told me that he didn't think she was going to be as big as she was. <laughs> so he didn't cut very as big, big enough. enough of an incision. So they had a hard time getting her out. Um, but it wasn't, like, that big of a deal. And then they got her out, and... Um, I got to see her. Amazing. Yeah. I, I'm going to stop you for two seconds because I'm curious, just because this is, a, this is a very common misconception that I think moms are sometimes startled by who do either end up with a C-section emergently or, you know, even like a scheduled section is they go in and they're expecting to feel like nothing. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like you, like you mentioned, they shouldn't be in pain per se, but like you can feel... The pressure of them, like, stretching your skin sure. or, like, removing the baby. That's that's very normal. We They can't numb that with medication. For sure. And so I feel like for you, in your circumstance, like, they set a really good expectation, it sounds like. Like, you knew what to expect. Yeah. Um, but for 
you know, some moms that like, they're like, my spinal's not working. And you're like, no, your spinal's working. Like you should just be able to feel pressure sensation of what's happening. Yeah. There's definitely like a pressure. If you're feeling like sharp pains, I think that's like, okay, your, you know, your pain receptors, like you're going to be able to feel the pressure of people like pushing around and moving things. But the specific like pain receptors, like the sharp pain should be, yeah, should be blocked be by blocked. the medication. Exactly. Yeah. So it was very uncomfortable for me when they were like the, the assistant, the, you know, secondhand surgical uh, midwife actually was the one that was pushing uh, Stevie out and she was like on top of me and it was not comfortable <laughs> like it was like okay. Cameron and I I think we're just like oh my gosh what is that and I remember looking at him being like oh my gosh like it's only kind of like, takes your breath away oh, but sure. I wasn't like crying in pain I was mostly just like okay like, get okay, her out yeah. already like <laughs> oh my gosh and my surgeon actually said that um the midwife he kind of stepped in and helped push her out in a way because midwives, like, you know, don't well, they often don't always do help sections. in the operating room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he said he kind of had to guide her on how to push the baby out, um, which is also maybe why the struggle, you know, was a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. But they got her out and um, she was fine. There was a little bit of meconium in, um, which okay. is like, you know, the first baby's poop in the amniotic fluid. So they made sure to clean out her airway really well. Um, but other than that, she did great and they were able to, you know, wrap her up and then pass her to my husband very, very quickly. I think they said their goal was in like three minutes to have her back Mm -hmm. to you. And, um, they ended up laying her on my chest in the operating room even kind of held her there. Oh, cool. I was in some pain. I think I had like, um, some air trapped from them pushing on my belly so hard up in my shoulders yes. and so I had a ton of shoulder pain which is common which is right common and also like one of the things that I feel like not many people are warned about is because they're just in, expecting that like their incision's gonna be the most painful part and for yeah. some women I'm sure that is the case but for a lot of women like you said during that procedure the air that's being sucked in from the outside environment like can travel. have no control over yeah travels up and it's often reported as like shoulder pain and it's like way more painful than their incision yeah it was terrible I remember asking the CRNA over and over again like okay when are you gonna be able to give me something for this pain in my shoulder because that's not numb you know and I like they even had Stevie laying on my chest and I I said to Cameron I need you to like take her like I'm really uncomfortable right now Mm -hmm. and I wanted to like enjoy her but I was like oh this shoulder pain was like pretty intense and he kept saying, like, I have um, Toradol to give you, like, an ibuprofen on steroids, you know. Mm-hmm. But I got to wait until you're sewn up first. You know, there's a risk of bleeding risk with bleeding. that drug. And so he's like, I got to wait till you're sewn up. So just, like, hang in there. So I had to wait, I mean, you know, in, it was, like, 10 minutes. It yeah, wasn't a huge deal. A significant amount of time. Um, but. And they give you that, and then they give you, like, a, a drug, the Gas-X. It's mm-hmm. semethicone, yep. right? And yep. uh, that drug also helps to make those gas bubbles break down and, um, but I'm a big, I had a great, um, experience with my C-section. I, uh, was able to go through it without like heavy narcotics. Um, I took a Toradol, that ibuprofen drug, they'll give it to you like five doses. I took it every dose. And then after that, I just did yeah, Tylenol and ibuprofen and was probably off both of those within a week. Yeah, um, amazing. so I'm a, you know, I had a great experience. Um, there are things that I missed about a vaginal delivery, like, 
you know, the pulling her up and putting her on your chest and yeah, getting the to, like, to skin. the skin to skin. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we were back in my room. So she was born at 11.55. I think I went back to the OR at 11.25. She was born at 11.55. And that's, like, prep and everything. And then I that's was back amazing. into my room. <laughs> Having been in a lot of C-sections, yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it was efficient. fast. And then I was back to my room by maybe 12, 20. Like, I was gone less than an hour. Yeah. And so, and then they had her, like, doing skin to skin the second we were rolling out of the operating room. And I had gotten the medication at that point to help the, the shoulder pain. And so I was in much better shape. But, um, yeah, and recovery, just a little slow. Like, getting up the, off the couch was tough. Moving in bed was a little tough. But it's it's different pain than I was expecting. You know, people are like, it's a huge abdominal surgery and you're cut open. And um, But really, I felt like I just worked at my abs way too much in the gym. Like, just okay. felt, like, like crazy sore. Like, like not just, oh, yeah, I went a little hard. Like, okay, I went <laughs> way like, too wow. hard today. <laughs> I did but, some Russian twists today. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and moving up off the couch, you know, you have the intermittent, like, oh, my gosh, pain. Mm-hmm. But then if you just got comfortable, I was, like, fine. So, um, yeah, that was my experience with a C-section. I'm not sure what I'll do next time if I'll try for a V-back. Ask, do you think you'll try for vaginal or do you think you'll just kind of take it as it comes? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, part of me feels silly because I, like, kind of elected for a C-section. But also at the same time, I think, like, if next baby is head down the whole pregnancy and I'm feeling really good about a vaginal delivery, there's no harm in, like, changing my mind then. And I think a mother's intuition is something crazy. And I really Absolutely. felt strongly about a C-section. You know, why was that, like, you know, would she I mean, have had, had a hard you didn't time? Have personal experience to base it off of, like you were just going off your intuition. And yeah, like, yeah, and she is great, and that's all you can like hope for, right? Yeah. And so, if the next pregnancy, like I have strong feelings about doing a vaginal delivery, then I think okay, you gotta that. follow your gut. You yeah. know, I love that. I do have one question. I was just thinking, did they ever say, like? or give you any reasoning behind why they thought she was maybe transverse, like, due to, like, the shape of your uterus or anything like that, or they just were like, we don't know. No, in fact, they, yeah, they never really gave me a reason, and my doctor, like, I don't know, we never did, like, an official ultrasound to even see where she was. Mm -hmm. It was more just, like, I would ask him, like, where she is, like, I think she's kind of transverse, and then, but I'm not sure, you know, it's kind of hard to tell exactly where she is, and then like even going into and I maybe it's because I had opted for a c-section at that point and so they weren't like super worried about her positioning Mm -hmm. um but I remember the nurse the morning that I got there to deliver her told me that she thought she was head down at that point um and I was like well like this is where we are you're like I just want to have my section yeah and I had concerns about uh being a first-time mom uh being induced you know 39 weeks and then having to have an emergency c-section anyways mm-hmm. um i would have just you know i wanted to have it very controlled instead and kind of know what was happening um and so that's what i you know went with but i could have probably gone induced and she could have been born six hours later who knows right you just yeah. uh, i liked my crazy icu neurotic nurse brain <laughs> liked the controlled literally like cut and dry like, like environment this is what you can expect it's very like they talk through what's about to happen what that hopefully is what happens there are complications and risks associated yeah. with yes, like c-section scheduled absolutely um but and you know we're blessed that none of those things happen but um yeah 
Okay, well, to wrap things up, I guess I would just ask you one question. If you were to give advice to a mom who's about to take her step into motherhood, (laughs) what would it be? I think that, you know, being a new mom is so hard, and there's only, you know, you can't prepare yourself. Like, you can prepare, but nothing can prepare you for what it's like to like be a full-time caregiver you know like more than full-time like 100% of the time caregiver but as you can tell we both of our children are now awake and we're just this you know this is the essence of what we're talking this about is the you essence. have no control over yeah. your own time anymore <laughs> just I think in the best way in the best way and to not like set crazy expectations for yourself like if you want to breastfeed and it works out great you know but like if it doesn't work out, that's okay. If you, like, really wanted a vaginal delivery, but that's not, you know, what was able to happen, that's okay. Like, do you want your baby to sleep well or to meet milestones at this point? Yes, but, like, if that happens a little later, a little different, that's okay. Like, you know, so much is out of your control, and so I think my best advice or like, in the past three months is just to, like, be easy on yourself and, yeah, just your baby's gonna love you no matter what and that's the best thing you know yeah. take all the cuddles you can get because you know they because get big day, they'll quick. be Lewis and run away and they don't want to snuggle with I, you anymore yeah. <laughs> well you guys I just want to echo exactly what Hannah just said when it comes down to it whether your baby is birthed vaginally in a scheduled c-section an emergency c-section or any other scenario that pretty much is opposite of whatever your birth plan was. (laughs) Your baby is going to love you. You built that baby cell by cell for nine months and you brought that baby into the world and they are going to love you no matter what. So when your days are hard and when motherhood feels like it's punching you in the face because it does, just remember that your baby will love you without any questions asked. They will love you. I hold on to that Every single day when my days are hard and I feel like I'm losing my mind, I just remember, you know what, my kids need me, they love me, I need them, and I'm the only person that knows them like I do, and you're the same for your child. I hope that you got a little more insight into what a scheduled C-section can look like and enjoyed Hannah's story as much as I did. If you're not already, follow along on Instagram at undereducated.pod and catch us here next week for another episode. (laughs) 